And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it's the second best day of the week. You know, it's actually a very interesting day to, uh, today, Brent, right? Today is September the 22nd, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Very interesting day because... It's not only the second best day of the week. If you don't know what that means, that means tomorrow's Friday. That's the first best day of the week, (laughs) as opposed to Monday, which is the worst day of the week. But today is the second best day of the week, and it's the first day of autumn. Thereabouts. It is. And it's also my daughter's 16th birthday. All Ah. happening on the same day. So A trifecta. It's a trifecta of Thursdays. For a triple witching, I can't decide which. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> anyway, so yes, it's my daughter's uh, 16th birthday today. Happy birthday to you. And uh, of course, uh, I've been telling her, it's like, you know, so as you know, we've had this conversation on the show before that, you know, when my kids turn 16, they have to get a job. Mm-hmm. I know everybody's like, I can't believe you make your kids work. Well, they do. So she got her job. So she is working. Uh, she's my dancer in the family. So she's, uh, you know, and I just had to, in fact, last week, I had to go uh, do a dance with her at the Cinco Ranch High School football game. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm sorry it, I missed was, that. Yeah. So I'm, it, it, it was a very quiet event. <laughs> I was in the back of the road so everybody could see. Under but, the radar. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was, it was good, right? So it was a, they do a guys and ties dance every year. Yes. So, right. So I'll be doing it two more years in a row. You have your chance to come okay. see it. So All right. As she approaches seniorhood. We'll alert the media. Exactly. So anyway, she's dancing in your studio. So anyway, uh, as you know and we've talked about this is that you know they have to they have to save up money for their down payment on their car and all Mm -hmm. that so you know she's ready to go she's got her license ready to get her new car and so I said okay well start sending me the cars that you want got nothing really (laughs) yeah she sent me nothing so far so we'll, well, I guess we'll talk about it this This weekend. may work out really well for you. I know. I'm sitting there going, right, if you don't, she's not, apparently she's not in a real rush to go buy a car at this point. So You know, a lot of kids are like that these days. I don't understand it. I, well, I know because when I was that age, I was like, give me a car, yeah. I'm gone, right? Yeah. But it's actually, no, that was my point about this is, is that you're absolutely right. There is a rising trend in millennials, and again, apparently it's not just her. I was talking to her about it, and apparently her, a lot of her friends are the same way. They're just, they're like, why buy a car and drive when I've got, you know, parent Ubers? <laughs> it's like, I was like, and I've told y'all before on the show that, you know, I was Duber. That's the dead Uber. <laughs> and uh, that, can't, that comes to an end at 16. I told her this. I said, I'm coming to get you this weekend, but, you know, that's it. After yeah. this, you got to get your own car and, and get mobile, so... Duber. <laughs> the dead Uber. <laughs> so, anyway, a uh, couple of things, of course. Uh, Michael Leibowitz joining me this morning, and we'll be talking about everything Fed-related, of course. Uh, the Fed did hike interest rates 75 basis points yesterday, as expected. And as expected, they also delivered the, their rather hawkish message about continuing to hike rates until, um, you know, they bring down inflation down to 2%. Now, there's some interesting bylines to this, and we'll get into this discussion a little bit more this morning. Um, But 
there is a real possibility that inflation is about to drop a lot faster than expected. There is some data in the pipeline right now that suggests that rental rates, which is one of the bigger components of inflation, is about to have a very sharp decline. Uh, this has to do with a lot of overbuilding, first of all, of rental properties and too much competition in space. But secondly, just the as the economy begins to slow, that's going to start to bring this down as well. So the Fed may be, you know, talking about hiking rates and leaving them at very high rates through 2023. We'll see how accurate that forecast is. Uh, historically speaking, of course, when the Fed and, and the Fed did release their economic projections yesterday as well, uh, they're not that great of economic forecasters. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but so on the technical front about the markets yesterday, though, a couple of bad things did happen. Uh, we had talked about yesterday in, in yesterday's daily commentary, uh, that you can get on our website. Simply go to realinvestmentadvice.com and uh, click on the uh, daily commentary link on the homepage. Um, but make sure you're subscribed. We deliver that to you every morning before the market opens. Keeps you up to date on what's going on. We do a market commentary every day. Um, but yesterday we noted that the market had been holding on to the, these support levels that were going back uh, to these May lows. And that was kind of really kind of this important support level the market was holding. Well, we broke that yesterday. Um, after the Fed announced their rate hike, markets vacillated. We sold off initially, rallied back, had a very strong rally. We were up about three quarters of a point on the S&P yesterday. And then um, right about this time, the Fed's talking about, you know, a, a, a more hawkish outlook for the, the economy. And then Russia starts talking about potentially, you know, being more aggressive about their uh, Ukraine invasion. All that kind of coalesced into a, a pretty sharp sell-off into the end of the day. Markets ended down uh, over 1% yesterday. But we did take out that very important support line. And so the next supports, unfortunately, are, you know, near the July lows. So, uh, again, you know, the market's here under a bit of pressure. So, you know, as I said, there's not a lot of good things going on right now. We had talked about this buying stampede that we had back in July and August. That has now turned into a selling stampede now over the course of the last uh, you know, couple of weeks in particular. And that continues to kind of weigh on prices here. But again, just to keep things in perspective, while I know that it feels bad right now, and, and, and it does, right? I mean, it's, it's been a tough market this year. Um, by all stretches, and the markets are certainly have been under a lot of pressure. But you know, this is you know, keep some perspective here is that really the markets haven't gone anywhere really since we go back to you know May June of this year. So you know, the market's just been all over the place uh, for the most part this year. It's been a very steady grind lower. Uh, that's weighed on a lot of sentiment. Sentiment's very negative here, and as we've talked about before. You know, there, there is some potential here that we're kind of wringing out a lot of the selling in the markets. And the markets are holding up pretty well because of the passive indexing effect. And that's keeping markets more elevated than probably they should be. Because there's a lot of stocks that are down 50, 60, 70 percent uh, for the year. They're under a lot of pressure. But, uh, but again, markets are not down that much. Markets are still kind of holding in here. And again, really, since if we go back to early May, the markets haven't done much of anything except just vacillate back and forth. And, and, and again, just kind of really weighing on, on consumer sentiment, uh, or sorry, investor sentiment. 
Um, one thing is, is that we are very oversold on a short-term basis. So again, that's that provides that catalyst for at least a counter trend rally here. Again, probably not going to expect a whole lot. The 20-day moving average is now crossed back below the 50-day moving average. That's going to provide more downward pressure to asset prices. So again, any rally here back to around 4,000 on the index is likely a good opportunity for the now, for the time being. To, to raise some cash, reduce your asset allocation, moving into the end of the year, there is some risk here between economic growth, uh, continued Fed rate increases. The Fed talked about yesterday, and again, we'll talk some more about this in a minute with Mike, but two more rate hikes this year. And then, and then really the market was all kind of hoping for this pivot going into next year to help support markets. That doesn't really seem to be the case right now. Uh, there's a reason that the Fed will pivot, and we'll talk about that uh, here in just a few minutes. But again, use rallies, you know, kind of back to this resistance level for the time being to raise that cash, let those cash levels be a little bit more defensive. And again, and, and this is something that we are, are, have been working on the last couple of days, there's now an alternative. We're sitting on a lot of cash right now. There is an alternative. Treasury yields are now on the very short-term bills, three, three month and six month treasury bills now yielding north of 3%. Uh, so it's a kind of a great place to store cash while you're waiting. And we've been start, starting to make those transitions now because of what the Fed's been doing. But when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the Fed, what's going on, what to expect, how it's going to impact markets. That's coming up right after the break, right here on The Real Investment Show. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. If your portfolio looks more like a horror show, you won't want to miss our next Candid Coffee on dealing with bloody markets. No tricks, just treats. From Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff with some not-so-spooky ideas to budgeting and how to maximize your cash. Don't be spooked by markets or Danny's bathroom. On our next Candid Coffee, Saturday, October 1st. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. It is, of course, uh, 617 as we kind of get this way under day, get this day underway. Well, we'll get that out right here. It's going to be one of those days. It's one of those days. Yeah, it's one of those mornings where I woke up at 2 o'clock and my brain started working. I couldn't go back to sleep. Yep. Yeah. So, <clears throat> not enough coffee for this morning. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yesterday, of course, uh, not, nothing really shocking or surprising yesterday. Maybe the market's reaction a bit because of, you know, following the, the Fed's announcement, but that kind of maybe has a lot to do with stuff other than uh, the Fed announcement yesterday. But as expected, Jerome Powell did hike interest rates yesterday um, by 75 basis points, widely expected. Um, the dot plots, which are the kind of the consensus views of the FOMC participants, shows that there's probably going to be two more rate hikes going through the end of this year there's two more meetings so that's probably another 50 basis points at re each rate hike <clears throat> and then we'll get into 2023 now one of the expectations that was you know widely expected by most of wall street and you know this is the thing that kind of disappointed uh, the market yesterday uh, the vast majority of wall street was expecting that the fed would hike rates into early 2023 and then immediately start cutting them 
Now, that's their expectation. And the Fed and, and their dot plot, what that suggests is that the Fed is going to hike rates uh, to four and a half, basic four, four and a half percent, and then stay there through 2023 into 2024. Now, that's the Fed's intentions. The reality is going to be quite different uh, depending on what happens economically. And, and of course, higher interest rates. Why do we hike interest rates? That's to slow inflation. How do we slow inflation? That's to, to slow economic growth. And the Fed's assumptions is that they can hike interest rates to four, four and a half percent in the most debt-laden economy in the world, and that we will simply just survive that without having any type of economic recession or a economic credit-related event, anything, right? So I can hike rates with basically no consequence is the Fed's view, and that's why they can sit there and go, we'll leave it at 4 4.5% until 2023. Wall Street will likely be correct that the Fed will be reversing course next year on rate hikes, but it won't be simply just because they got to that le that level and they started reversing rates. It will require a more important level of financial instability, as we've talked about before here on the show, and that will cause the Fed to reverse back to cutting rates and going back to QE. But let's get into some of the kind of the commentary from Jerome Powell yesterday what he said what he you know what he didn't say what it means for the markets uh, let's go to our Fed resident expert Michael Leibowitz. Mike welcome to the show this morning how are you I'm doing great thank you so yeah what was your takeaway initially from uh, the meeting yesterday anything surprise you no no he he they said and when I say they I meant the statement that they put out and then in Jerome Powell's press conference they pretty much mimicked what Jerome Powell said at Jackson Hole and what other Fed members have been saying for the last few weeks, that that the Fed will bring rates up to four and a quarter, four and a half, and leave them there for the year. Uh, Jerome Powell made that very clear a few weeks ago at Jackson Hole. So it's a little kind of uh, strange that the market didn't believe him, but but, and this is where things start to get a little constructive. The market is now aligned with the Fed. Over the last few weeks, what we saw was a Fed telling you that they're going to be four and a quarter, four and a half, and then flat for the year. So, so when you get to November, December, we're still going to be four and a quarter, four and a half. And the Fed's dot plot and what the Fed is telling us still says the same thing. But now the Fed funds futures market, and that's a way we can apply what the market is thinking, is more or less on that same page. They think the Fed funds futures, not they, but the, what's implied in the prices are calling for December 2023 Fed funds of 4.3%. So for the first time in really a long time, I feel like the market is aligned with the Fed. Now, is that good for stocks or bonds? Uh, that's a whole different question. And I, Lance, you kind of alluded to this a little bit. The problem for stocks is that yes, maybe we've taken the Fed surprise out of the market and that may give us some stability, may take away some of the volatility unless the Fed does change. But now we're starting to get to the point where those rate hikes from six months ago, from nine months ago, you know, when they first started, are going to really start to be felt in the economy. This is where economic growth is going to start getting punished because of what the Fed has been doing. This is where QT is really going to start having an effect as they pull out 95 billion of liquidity a month. And you, you talked about what will get the Fed to change. There's 
a few things. One is that inflation drops all the way to 2% by March, April. That's extremely unlikely. Um, the other one is what's called financial instability. So does a U.S. bank run into problems? Do hedge funds like in 2019 run into problems? Is there a foreign country or foreign countries that are having financial stability problems? Does the dollar get too out of control? These are the things that could potentially get the Fed to, first of all, change tone, and second of all, start reversing what they're doing as far as interest rates and QT. But, you know, so that's why I say it's constructive, but it's not constructive enough to jump in with both hands and start buying everything. It's constructive in that the market is on the same page with the Fed, but it's not constructive as far as what is going to happen to the economy, what's going to happen with liquidity and how that affects corporate earnings. Yeah, and I, and I think that that last part's the most important, which is you know corporate margins are still at near record levels. Um, those have got to come down uh, a good bit here to align with what's going to be going on in the economy. You know, same thing with um, you know earnings, uh, just general overall earnings. Earnings have been coming down, but they still remain very elevated relative to long-term growth trends economically. And if the economy is slowing down, uh, since earnings come from economic growth, those are going to slow down as well. So, you know, it, the market's still, you know, a little bit probably over-exuberant as to where economic growth is going to be, particularly, as you said, you know, and, and, and correctly noted that the Fed is still hiking rates and doing QT. So they're extracting the liquidity from the market. Stocks haven't really priced that in yet. But, and, but uh, you know, I think, you know, again, I thought this was interesting. Fed, uh, Fed Chair Powell said yesterday during the Q&A that in order to start cutting rates, the Fed would have to be very confident that inflation was moving back down to 2%. And he noted that the move to the very lowest level of what the Fed considers restrictive, and there's still a ways to go on rates. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, though, that the markets are so focused on, okay, great, you're hiking rates, but when are you going to cut them, right? And, and you and I had this conversation kind of just on the phone yesterday. You know, the problem with that view is from, from you know, the market standpoint, you know, a lot of investors are, you know, you know, are still very optimistic about, you know, rate cuts coming and, you know, allocations to equities have not fallen very much. You know, they, they've come down a bit, but they're still very elevated relative to, you know, potentially being in a bear market. You know, it's interesting that, you know, the idea is as soon as the Fed starts cutting rates, I'm going to buy stocks. But that's not really the way it works. When the Fed's going to be cutting rates and, and when they start reducing the Fed funds rate and when they start, you know, going away from QT, is because they're going to be trying to either bail out a recession or solve some type of financial instability within the markets. And, and stocks are certainly not going to like that. You know, we go back to 2008 as a good example. There's a very interesting analog right now between the markets this year and 2008. And we are just approaching that point in the markets, just kind of pre-Lehman. Uh, in terms of that analog. Now, look, I don't like analogs because there's so many differences between now and 2008. You can't say they're going to be the same thing, and those analogs can break away at any time. But what's what's important to understand is that in the bear market of 2008, it was a fairly contained bear market, kind of like we have this year, right? It's, it's not been you know highly volatile. It's not been you know it's been it, you know it's it's basically sucked. But it, you know there's not been any huge crash in the markets yet, right? 
Um, in 2008, what really triggered everything was the forced bankruptcy of Lehman, and that caused this financial instability within markets because all the counterparty trading just literally stopped. Nobody would trade with anybody uh, between the banks, and it just froze the credit system. And that's what really generated the bulk of the sell-off in the market in 2008. And that was when the Fed really got into gear about, you know, starting to bail out markets and QE and these type of things. And, and, and so the point here is, is that without some type of, you know, deeper decline in markets, some form of financial instability or some type of, of you know, fairly significant economic recession, if everything's OK in the markets, if everything's holding stable, and you know there, and and we're not in a recession. We're just slow growth, and inflation's at two percent. There's no reason for the Fed to cut rates or do QE. So you know, if the Fed is doing these things, that's not going to be the time to buy stocks either. It's going to be you know, when rates actually start approaching back towards zero again, that'll be your point to start buying stocks. Right. I think really what's happening is the headwind will continually increase for the market as those rate hikes from months ago start to start to hamper the economy as the liquidity being pulled from the market starts to to weigh on the markets as the interest rates just not just the fed hikes but interest rates over you know mortgage rates going up to 6% that all takes time to have effect and the headwinds are going to grow stronger but the fed shock at least that volatility may have been moved out of the market. So it doesn't mean we can't go a lot lower or a little lower, but hopefully it can do it in a more, in a less volatile manner. And by pricing in the Fed, that's at least a first step that we're getting there. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, I said this wasn't constructive for equities necessarily because of the headwinds, but it is very constructive for bonds and possibly to stem the appreciating dollar. Yep. We'll talk about that when we come back from the break with Michael Leibowitz. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com if your portfolio looks more like a horror show you won't want to miss our next candid coffee on dealing with bloody markets no tricks just treats from richard rosso and danny ratliff with some not so spooky ideas to budgeting and how to maximize your cash don't be spooked by markets or danny's bathroom on our next candid coffee saturday october 1st register now at realinvestmentadvice.com candid coffee with ratliff and rosso realinvestmentadvice.com you're listening to The Real Investment Show. And at 6.33, as we get back to the show, it's realinvestmentadvice.com. It's the website where you're there. Send your questions, comments, emails, get our latest blog post. Michael's article is out uh, yesterday. Uh, it's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. 
Um, so just for the break, talking a little bit about Fed rate hikes and, you know, the market's now kind of catching up with where the Fed is poised to hike rates into next year. And, you know, one of the interesting things about that is, is that while stocks are not expected to perform better uh, in this type of environment, there's certainly some other assets that that may. And again, you know, there's always a you know, potential to make some money somewhere. And as Mike was alluding to just for the break, there might be a couple of interesting ideas coming up. Mike, uh, you know, this has a, a potential here to start providing some support for some other asset classes, particularly as the Tina trade, which is, you know, for the last you know few years in particular, uh, particularly in 2020, 2021, there is no alternative to stocks um, was kind of the mainstream mantra, right? I, I couldn't put money into bonds because you know, interest rates were near zero. I, I wasn't getting paid for the risk to take, you know, uh, risk in junk bonds. Um, but now that all of a sudden, you know, Tina, there's actually a Tina, right? There is an alternative. And then, and uh, there is a, a, an alternative to stocks, which is now in bonds. Right. And maybe we're going to get a FOMO and a YOLO regarding uh, buying, <laughs> buying bonds. Who knows? Things Who knows? can get pretty crazy, Lance. Uh, you know, the, we talked about the headwinds and why that's a potential problem for stocks, for earnings in particular, and then ultimately stock prices. And then you got financial instability, which is never good for stock prices. Both of those are very good for for bonds, for bond prices. They push yields lower. Now, now what's important to understand is that bond yields are traditionally a function of economic activity inflation and supply and demand and inflation is still high economic activity has been flat to negative for two quarters and the current quarter according to the atlanta fed will be flat again so so there's there's not really much economic growth there are signs that inflation is coming down and it has come down that the, the million dollar question is how quick uh, and I think what the Fed's saying is we've done our part or we'll have done our part by January. Here's what we're going to do. Now we're going to let's see. Let's see how long it takes for inflation to come down. And that poses potential risks in January if it doesn't come down as quick. But but it's it's becoming we're we're getting into a very bond friendly place here because you've taken some of the Fed volatility out of the market and those headwinds are getting stronger and stronger. Now, now, Lance, it's important to differentiate between bonds. There's three month Treasury bills and 30 year bonds and junk corporate bonds and many other types of bonds. A three month Treasury bill is what what basically what the the yield on that is is what what are fed funds going to be for the next three months so those yields will rise for the next three months it's just going to be in line with fed funds a 30-year bond is looking at the next three months but an investor in a 30-year bond has another 29 years and nine months to think about how will economic growth be what will inflation be and as such what the Fed is doing is not as important as what's going to happen with inflation in the economy. So once we kind of take out the volatility associated with the Fed, hopefully, and, and that there's no certainty to that, but it certainly appears that the Fed will follow the course they told us about for the next few months, that should, that should help bond prices push yields down because bond yields are very extended right now from where they should be based on expected economic growth. 
there's not there is some supply and the fed is selling treasury bonds but traditionally when the fed steps away that's actually been positive for bonds as well yeah. now there's also corporate bonds junk bonds investment grade bonds they're they, they introduce a hybrid of equities and treasuries they they follow yield wise but then there's a spread so how much more are you willing to buy an ibm bond for over a u.s treasury and that's a function of credit risk <laughs> Credit risk is a function of earnings and their ability to pay their debts. So as we said earlier, we have this headwind that will only get stronger and stronger over the next three to six months, which is going to affect corporate earnings. So, so, so when you think about what bonds do you wanna buy? Do you wanna buy a three month? Well, that's gonna pretty much follow Fed funds. That, that it's a, you know, we're getting close to 4%, we'll be over 4%. Um, it's a dependable, dependable yield. The 30 year yield is a function of the economy. The uh, 10 year IBM bond will move up and down with yields. That part may be constructive over the next three to six months, but that spread could widen out. So hypothetically, 10 year treasuries may drop by half a percent in yield, but the spread between IBM and a 10 year treasury may rise by a percent so that the price of the IBM bond actually goes down, even though yields yeah, for treasury. Yeah, you're, you're throwing out a lot of, of market ling lingo here. So let me clarify this a bit. So, you know, corporations are pretty much tied to the economy. And so what Mike is saying is that if earnings are slowing down, that induces risk into debt holders of corporate bonds saying, well, IBM's earnings are slowing down. What if they can't make their interest payments? What if they default on their bonds? And this particularly accelerates if we get into a, a fairly deep economic recession or, more importantly, if there's some type of credit-related event in the market, people tend to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So now not only are stock prices getting sold off, they're dumping corporate bonds as well over fear of default, in, increased default rates. Um, increase of, of potential bankruptcies, those type of things. And so what you'll see during an economic downturn is you'll see yields on 10-year treasuries falling because money's rotating out of risk, in this case being corporate bonds, into treasuries for safety or out of equities into treasuries for safety. Um, but you'll see yields on other assets rise. So what he's talking about when he's saying the yield spread being between corporate bonds and treasuries that means that, as an example, yes, 10-year treasuries are falling and you own an IBM corporate bond and you're seeing the price of your bond decline and that yield going up and you're going, why is there this difference? The, the reason is, is because of what's happening in, in, in the economy and what the fears of the markets are. And again, market fears kind of get exacerbated and people tend to dump assets during a recession and during a, a you know credit-related event. They just kind of sell everything without... Uh, context, you know, it's kind of a baby with the bathwater. Um, we saw this back in 2008 in particular. But if you own corporate bonds of good quality companies, uh, as an example, you own an right. Apple bond or a Microsoft bond, yeah, the price of that bond may come down. And assuming you've only got a two, three, or four-year maturity on it, you haven't bought a 30-year bond, uh, that price is going to recover pretty quickly as soon as the event crisis passes. Uh, Apple's going to still be in business. Microsoft's going to still be in business. Um, you know, um, what was that company that was issuing um, bonds to buy Bitcoin um, not too long ago, Mike? Um, Mike uh, MicroStrategies. Yeah, micro, MicroStrategies. 
that's a, that's a risk that they may default on their bond, right? So, right. you know, it depends on the quality of the company that you own. It doesn't mean go out and sell that's all your corporate bonds. Just understand that bonds, what Mike's saying here, and this is important, is that if you're trying to hedge risk, you'll want to buy treasury bonds in this environment over corporates. That would be your choice. But if you've got a longer time duration, you'll, you're able to lock in fairly high rates on good quality corporate bonds right now that aren't going to last forever. So, you know, there's kind of an opportunity to buy to buy some assets a bit cheaper. That, that's a great point. And thanks for stressing that. IBM will, if you're buying a two-year piece of IBM, that will mature in two years. That has a lot less risk than a micro strategy, than a junk rated bond. Apple is money good. In other words, it will mature. It will pay off. Its yield will probably track that of treasuries. So there's a high degree of credit spread changing over the you know over the future so you know it's tough labeling corporate bonds as you know one big basket there's a, a massive differences in corporate bonds and that's the point the point is that there's all different types of bonds so you can't just say buy bonds just within the treasury market there's massive differences between a three month and a 30 year there's huge differences between an apple bond and a micro strategy bond then you got mortgage-backed securities and you you have a whole host of other types of bonds and then you have foreign currencies too lance so so one of the things that's been dragging on bonds has been a very strong dollar yeah so and, and, and before we, we're about to come up on a break let's let's hold that thought here for just a quick second here because you know that's kind of the next kind of important you know leg of this conversation is you know the dollars to your point has been exceptionally strong um japan did something very interesting overnight and i want to kind of come back and just touch on that issue because it's not going to be just a domestic issue it's also an ecb issue as well um you know when we talk about you know, a recession here in the U.S., and I, and I'm, I just wrote an article on this, 40% um, of corporate profits come from international sales. It's, it's a very big impact. And we were talking about corporate profit margins needed to, to be revised lower. And, you know, what's happening with the dollar has a huge impact on, you know, other, other parts of the world and also has a very large impact on corporate earnings and corporate profits because of the global interconnectedness of what's happening so you know what's happening with currencies right now is very interesting and the question is is whether or not the dollar can remain as dominant as as, as it has been this year or does the dollar itself become problematic for both the fed and for central banks you know internationally we'll be right back after the break don't go away Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
If your portfolio looks more like a horror show, you won't want to miss our next Candid Coffee on dealing with bloody markets. No tricks, just treats. From Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff with some not-so-spooky ideas to budgeting and how to maximize your cash. Don't be spooked by markets or Danny's bathroom. On our next Candid Coffee, Saturday, October 1st. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Futures this morning are kind of all over the place. They were positive. They went negative. Now they're back positive again. And just, you know, Mark is trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I want to talk a little bit about currency here for real, real quick, but just I want to give you some quick kind of headlines that kind of run into all of this kind of conversation we had this morning. Um, you know, uh, the uh, Bank of England just hiked rates by 50 basis points. That was kind of a split decision confirming they're also their QT of their, you know, of, of their you know, QE program. They're, they're now reversing their QE program, um, you know, they're going to be selling their guilt. And the reason, of course, for this is that, as we were saying just for the break, the dollar impacts every other economy in the world because everything that we do on a trade basis is done in dollars. Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, there's a reason the dollar is the what we call the exchange uh, the reserve currency right it's it's where everybody stores their reserves and it's not just because the u.s economy is just really cool and we're the the best people on the planet that's not it at all it's just that we have one we have a, a much more stable currency um and there's some reasons behind that that are unfortunately being deteriorated by today's politics but one of those is called the rule of law. And in other words, if I'm doing a transaction, if Mike and I are doing a transaction together, Mike lives in, in England and we're, we're trans, you know, doing a transaction, he's selling me a product and I'm going to pay him for it. If he sells me a product and I default on payment, he has a recourse through our legal system to get payment. In other countries, China, Russia, Middle East, etc., those countries, there is no potential recourse. If the government decides at any day that, you know, Mike, we just don't like Mike anymore, we're just going to take his assets, there's no recourse for Mike. And so this is why people store money in the U.S. dollar. And a lot of people have been predicting the demise of the, of the U.S. reserve currency for years now. And that's fine, except what other currency are you going to use? No other currency in the world that is stable has the depth needed to transact trillions of dollars worth of business every year in terms of everything from oil to just trade to any type of commodity, all traded in dollars everywhere in the world. So the dollar dominance is very important, but it also has a very negative impact when the dollar gets extremely strong relative to other currencies. It impacts those countries. The cost of buying goods or services in those countries. Let's take Europe as an example. My son, you know, I've told you, I've he lives in Germany. He's getting the double whammy right now because, you know, he's he doesn't make a lot of money. He's trying to make ends meet, trying to pay his rent, buy his gas, you know, heat his house. And, you know, the the because of what's happening in Russia, electricity costs are surging through the roof. We've talked about the electricity and the and the natural gas prices in Europe just crazy. 
So that's already impacting his ability to live. But now if he wants to buy something because of the strength of the dollar, that's also costing him more. So he's getting inflation from multiple angles. You know, we complain now about inflation here. Inflation there is terrible. <laughs> it's a lot worse. So the dollar, the dollar strength has a huge impact on global economies. And again, as I said just for the break, and this is an important point, when you're talking about stocks and earnings and valuations and these type of things, 40% of corporate profits come from what happened internationally. So give me, let me give you a couple of headlines. Bank of England hiking interest rates, making a decision now to start selling their guilt. Why are they doing that? We'll talk about that in a second. Um, the Swiss National Bank has ended their zero interest rate policy. They just hiked 75 basis points. Um, and and this is this is... Every central bank in the world is now tightening monetary policy to quell inflation. This has a much bigger potential. You know, the Fed's, as we were talking about earlier, the Fed's kind of operating in this basket that, you know, if everything remains status quo, they can just hike rates. And, and maybe if we were in a vacuum and it was just the Fed and our economy, maybe they could get away with it. But you've got an international conglomerate of countries all hiking rates and tightening policy at the same time. The negative potential impacts of that is overwhelming coming into the markets. So I think this is something that we really have to pay attention to. Uh, but the big news overnight is that um, the Bank of Japan just intervened into their currency. Now, as I said, there's kind of a whole setup here. I'm going to turn it over to Mike. Um, you know, this currency issue, Mike, you know, you take a look at the strength of the dollar. Everybody was was predicting that the dollar was going to zero last year. <laughs> Has not been the case this year right. at all. Um, and now you've got the Bank of Japan, you know, directly intervening into currencies. And this is something that you said last week was going to become more of a driver of markets of these other countries like England selling their guilt, like Bank of Japan. And, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to see more of this from the Eurozone as well. Uh, and China. Uh, intervening to uh, strengthen their currencies relative to the dollar. Right. And I, I think what Japan did is they're just coming out publicly and telling you what they're doing. They were doing this, but with no effect. They were intervening in their currency. Most countries do. They do it publicly. They do it. Sometimes they don't do it publicly. But Japan basically upped their war against the strengthening dollar against the weakening yen by coming out publicly and saying they intervened they will intervene they said they'd intervene on weekends so so they're starting to draw a line in the sand but but lance when we talk about currencies and why the dollar is so strong i think i think we need to just step back a few and if you own a currency you're subject to inflation so if you have a hundred bucks and there's five percent inflation your hundred bucks is really worth 95 bucks in a year because of inflation. Your purchasing power has declined. So if you just landed from Mars and you have to take your Martian currency, your Martian craters and convert them to another currency, one of the things you're going to ask is who has who's going to have the least amount of inflation? Where can I retain my purchasing power best? Now, there's other issues, too. It's the rule of law, like like you said, Lance. Mm -hmm. There's there's markets to invest in. There's all kinds of other issues. But one of them is inflation. And where will my purchasing power stay stay the stay the, the most? Where can I maximize that? So if you think about what's happened this year, the Fed starting very early 
in the year said we're got we have to fight inflation. So first of all, inflation's been raging worldwide, and it's at pretty similar rates. You know, a lot of countries are approaching double digits. Some are a little behind, some are a little ahead, but but this is a global global problem, inflation. So you look at what's happened over this year. The Fed has been very aggressive. They've just hiked rates 75 basis points for the third time in a row. That hasn't happened in since 1980, so 40 plus years. At the same time, as we were talking about back in the spring and even summer, all the other central banks were just sitting on their hands. Mm-hmm. So if you're that Martian that just landed here, where are you going to put your money? And if it was me, I'd put it with the central bank that's trying to fight inflation. And that's one reason the dollar has greatly appreciated versus just about every currency over the last nine months significantly. Real quick, to, real, real quick too, uh, just a, an important point here. You know, again, this is goes back to, you know, late last year and early this year. There were a lot of calls that, you know, the dollar was going to zero and, and that, you know, this was the, kind of the end of the dollar dominance and all this. And of course, that's that's not been the case, as I said. Um, what's important to remember of when we talk about currencies Every, first of all, every currency in the world is a fiat currency. There is no uh, asset-backed currency anywhere in the world, including Bitcoin. There's no asset behind those. Uh, every every asset that is considered a currency, whether it is or not, um, is based on full faith and credit of the person behind it to pay it and to make good on it. And this is kind of the same thing we're talking about with treasuries a minute ago. The government can make good on that on the, on those dollars. And so... The dollar can't literally go to zero unless every other currency in the world goes to the moon because we measure the dollar. When we talk about the strength of the dollar, it's not just the dollar going up and down in price all by itself. It's the dollar relative to something else, either a direct currency like the USD um, Japanese yen or the US dollar versus the euro, or it's the US dollar versus a basket of currencies and how the dollar is doing relative to that entire basket. So that's uh, so important thing to remember is that you know it's always about relativity. And, and to Mike's point, the reason that people that every country and we've been manipulating, you know, when Trump was in office, he was like, you know, China's manipulating their currency. We've been manipulating our currency since 1913, um, <laughs> and and every country does it because we want to keep a relative stability between currencies so that we can have trade, right? If one currency gets too out of whack, as what's happening with the dollar now, it negatively impacts trade because other countries can't afford to buy our products. So sorry to intervene, Mike, go ahead. No, that's all right. And so what what I was talking about sets up a very important change in the dynamics of all the central banks relative to each other. The Fed was very aggressive. They started QT. They, they raised rates aggressively, 75 basis points, three times in a row. But they're starting to get closer to what they call the terminal rate or the, the peak rate. And, you know, a lot of people, including the Fed, think that that occurs very early next year. Now, at the same time, you know, Lance just said it, the Bank of England raised rates 50, ECB raised rates 75 basis points a couple weeks ago, the Swiss raised rates, the Taiwan raised rates last night, uh, Norway raised rates last night. In other words, the central banks are all catching up. So that relative inflation fighting prowess is starting to be not just the Fed anymore, the other banks are catching up. Mm-hmm. and. It'll it will help stem inflation in those countries as well, which should take away some of the advantage of the dollar. Now, I do think there's a lot of currency intervention going on. Japan's just the first one to come out publicly, but they 
their inflation is a function of inflation, just the supply and demand of goods, as well as their currency. That's right. So go ahead. No, we got to wrap up the show. But it's it's a great point. And again, this is something to, to pay very close attention to. And something that we'll be writing about more here in the very near future because uh, the dollar is so important, not only economically, but to the impacts that it's going to have on corporate earnings, profits, and ultimately the markets. So, again, get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Be sure and check out Simplevisor, where we post a lot of our proprietary articles for subscribers there. You can try it out for free for 30 days. Um, That's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com, simplevisor.com. It's all there for you. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow. Three minutes of markets and money coming right up.